Oh, by the way, thank you for this. I know of your fondness for antiques. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Message, Spock? None that I'm conscious of. Except, of course, happy birthday. Surely the best of times. Captain Spock. Captain Spock. Yeah, and a big birthday greeting goes out today. The birthday of Rick Moyer and Picard on the forums. Happy birthday, guys. Uh, just uh, wanted to wish you uh, a happy birthday and a great day. And you are listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. This is podcast 197. Yes, just a few away, 200. Uh, it is October the 26th, 2008. Uh, Going to have a great show for you this week. Uh, really looking forward to doing this one. Uh, it's uh, going to be about a classic TOS episode from Season 1. Uh, as I was going back through ones I haven't covered from that season, I've covered most of them. But this one I haven't gotten to yet. It's called Court Martial, an excellent episode. Lots of good character moments, just a, a, a wonderful script, a great episode to cover. So that will be coming up. Uh, I'm just going to do a clip-type show for that. Uh, it's uh, It was tempting to do a full commentary thing, but uh, I don't know. I went back and forth. But anyway, we'll be doing that, uh, talk a little bit about the Trek movie and some information there, some other uh, geekery. Maybe time for a collectible. We do have some listener uh, commentary to play this week. I think I have about three different ones to play, uh, along with a few other special surprises. So, hey, let's get to it. Welcome to Treks and Sci-Fi, folks. Uh, if you are brand new to the podcast, where have you been? I, that's all I have to say. <laughs> no, this is uh, the sort of Star Trek Sci-Fi geekery uh, love fest. <laughs> it's uh, my little uh, corner of the universe and talking about science fiction and Star Trek and just uh, those kinds of things. And for those that have been here for years, uh, why are you guys still here? <laughs> I'm in a bit of a goofy mood today, as you can tell. So, uh, but it's been uh, it's been a good week, um, and uh, a few things going on. I'd like to kind of share and talk about uh, some movies and TV and things I've been watching. Sort of some general uh, commentary uh, before we get into sort of the the meat or the heart of the show. 
Uh, let's see what else uh, has been going on. I, yeah, I did see a couple movies. Uh, I saw that new Max Payne movie, and uh, I guess it's sort of a sci-fi related thing based off a video game with uh, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, I saw that last weekend. It's not. Uh, it was not very good, at least in my opinion. I thought it was going to be, you know, better uh, than it was. Maybe the action would have been a little more interesting, or the characters and that. But it just was kind of flat. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'd be curious in what other people thought about it. If they've seen it, you know, send an email, treksf at gmail.com, or send an audio comment even if you'd like about that or any other movie or TV show you'd like to talk about. Uh, but, yeah, that movie I didn't really care for all that much. Even the action was kind of uh, ordinary, and uh, it was just not that great. What else? Uh, TV, though. Well, let me talk about one other movie I watched finally last night. I've been meaning to see this movie called uh, Doomsday which I guess came out early in 2008 uh, with Rona Mitra. Is that how you say her last name? Uh, She's going to be in that new Underworld movie. This was, uh, this Doomsday movie was kind of a a, sort of a new road warrior, kind of an update of that in a way. You know, it's slightly in the future and and things have gone kind of bad and uh, it had a very road warrior vibe and look to it. Uh, You know, these movies are completely ridiculous at least, but... It was kind of fun. Uh, again, it wasn't quite as good as I had heard. Everyone's kind of saying, oh, this is going to be a big cult movie, and it's, it's a lot better than uh, people uh, had thought it was going to be when they see it, though, uh, or at least that's what they're saying after they see it. I, I didn't really find it that great. Uh, it was okay, and it was just a rental, so not a big deal. But, it, uh, you know, it had some interesting action and that, but but pretty predictable stuff, I thought. So, uh, so anyway, those are a couple movies I saw. Television, though, uh, continues to be good. I'm really enjoying this uh, new series, Fringe. I think that's uh, probably, again, the of the new shows that are on this fall, the one I've been watching and enjoying the most. And still enjoying returning uh, favorites uh, you know, like Stargate Atlantis and Chuck and The Big Bang Theory. And just those are all great uh, to see, and I'm enjoying those quite a bit. It's uh, a lot of TV. I mean, I watch some other non-genre type stuff like House, which is good, and and uh, oh, yeah, as, um, on another genre front, uh, Smallville has been pretty good this season. They're kind of working Clark Kent slash Superman more into his role as uh, a reporter working on the Daily Planet. Of course, the, he really needs to start wearing some glasses and disguise himself a little bit. Uh, I, I'm toying around with the idea in the future, maybe when we get past episode 200, to do a Superman podcast. I think I might dedicate one podcast talking about all the TV shows and movies. Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun, a lot to cover in just a single like hour or so long podcast, but I uh, definitely worthy to, uh, to cover that uh, whole, you know, mythos of Superman. Uh, it's uh, something I've enjoyed a lot over the years and I think would be a lot of fun to cover. So I guess that's uh, all I wanted to say. Uh, one other comment about the, the podcast in general, we are uh, coming up to uh, number 200. It's going to be a video cast and the, thing that i've been saying the last few weeks that i wanted people to do was sort of act out one of their favorite scenes from star trek like a from uh one of the tv episodes or even a movie scene you know maybe make about a three or so minute long video and those i will hook together and throw in some of my own little rico humor and fun stuff and that's going to be show 200 which uh those videos i think are going to be due around the 20th i i have a posted i think somewhere on on the main website and on the forum the 20th or the 21st, that weekend, uh, whatever that weekend will be, the 22nd or 23rd will be when show 200 will be. So um, I'm trying to get the videos all in for that by like that Friday so I could work a lot on it on Saturday that weekend. So 
That is the scoop on that. Uh, hey, let's uh, switch over to uh, more of a Trek-type topic. What's going on with the latest Star Trek movie? Let's find out. Wait a Okay, well, uh, besides uh, the uh, recent, uh, you know, group of, you know, I don't know, half a dozen, six, eight images that popped up uh, about a week or more ago from the movie, the, there's not a whole lot new to talk about. Uh, I did finally get the Entertainment Weekly and read the article in there. Uh, and uh, just for people, I, even though I'm a fairly spoiler-free guy and I try not, I'm trying you know, covering the movie and doing Star Trek for a podcast, I kind of have to be up on it a little bit, but I'm trying not to know every little nuance or detail. And I have to say the article doesn't really spoil or give away much. There's a couple little tidbits of of different scenes maybe in the movie, uh, but nothing major, I don't think, at least in my opinion. So it's a good article, though, and they covered it pretty well. It's about three or four pages long with the, the images are in there. A nice cover shot of... Uh, the the two mains, uh, you know, Zachary Quinto and Chris Pine as Kirk and Spock uh, on the cover of it, and uh, really looking uh, very, very good. Uh, um, of course, you know, just trying to not get too excited since we still have more than six months or so to go. But I did find there was another new J.J. Uh, Abrams clip online. I thought I'd play it for you here, and you can listen. This was uh, via MTV. They were interviewing him a little bit, and... Uh, Talking about this sort of constant back and forth between uh, William Shatner and J.J. about, you know, Kirk in or out of the movie. J.J. just, he just seems like such a nice, down-to-earth kind of guy. I love his attitude and the way he comes off in this little brief interview here. So let me play it for you and listen to what J.J. has to say about some of this uh, stuff that's been uh, talked about for so long now. Anyway, listen to this. Star Trek. Where, where, where do you stand on it? Do you have a final cut? Uh music in place? Where are we right now? We've recorded the uh, most of the music, and we're about a week away from locking the movie. Can you s- speak to the running time? Am I in for two and a half hours of brilliant track or uh, two hours? It'll be a two-hour movie. I'm sick of these two-hour and 45-minute movies. <laughs> Seriously, it's like I don't have time to say two hours and 45 minutes. Right. Get I'm exhausted just having said that twice. <laughs> can't stand it. You can make a 10-minute short and just release 19 sequels. It's unbelievable. I, I wanted to make a movie that was uh, uh, four times longer than Cloverfield, which is, I think, seven minutes long. <laughs> no, it's really, it's, it's, it's insane how uh, long movies are now. Don't you think that? You go to the theater, you're like, you're like, I get out when? It's like, you know, you have to change your breakfast plan. Yeah, you should avoid Che this December. It's apparently four hours. Soderbergh's new one. You heard it here first. Avoid Che. <laughs> no, no. I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that movie. I am too. Soderbergh's great. <sighs> I'm waffling, see that? You are a bastard. Um, <laughs> why? <laughs> you, you have shown uh, Kevin Smith a cut of Star Trek. Why is he better than me? Why does he get to see Star Trek? In- First of all, I don't know why you hate Kevin Smith. I love I Kevin Smith. I keep trying to figure out what your problem is with him. Keep? This is the first we've ever discussed Kevin Smith. That's true. Um, <laughs> what is your angry question? My angry question, my vitriolic question, is why does he get to see the movie and vitriolic. I'm not? I'll tell you why, Mr. Thesaurus. First of all, it's your <laughs> condescension. Secondly... <laughs> I have issues with you. What are you talking about? I, come on. What if I take the condescension out of the questions? Uh, then you're invited. Do you have, like, on your iPhone or something? I heard a rumor that you have Trek footage somewhere. Uh, well, first of all, uh, I don't have an iPhone anymore. But I did have it on my iPhone, honestly. Not the whole movie. I just had a little trailer thing that we did. 
So there's no, n nothing. I showed Simon Pegg when we were at, at Comic Con, I showed him this little trailer thing, and it was my favorite thing ever. He literally started weeping. <laughs> it was like ridiculous. He was like sitting there, and I mean, I, he must have been plastered. Because he was like, he was like, like an iPhone, he was like, <laughs> I was stepping on his foot at the time. Well, that might be what. I, I saw Matthew Fox at that same event, and he had just seen it, and he was over the oh, moon really? about it. Well, he is a, and I don't think he's he's a wonderful gentleman. No, he's not in the movie. Right. Oh, we just broke news. Matthew Fox is not in Star Trek. He's Thank not, you. But uh, I would have happily put him in, but unavailable. Yeah, that clip was a little different. I decided to play that one. That one's more about him talking about the, the movie and running time and a little bit about Kevin Smith and uh, Simon Pegg part I liked. There is more on MTV, and I have a link uh, on uh, the main website to these. Uh, there's about three or four parts to it where he talks about different things and more about the, the Shatner thing. Uh, he has a comment in the Shatner part about how he he's now, uh, you know, he has this role of having to, like, talk back and forth uh, to William Shatner about this movie situation across YouTube. It's uh, it's pretty funny stuff. I liked it. So, anyway, yeah, there you have J.J. Abrams. The movie will be about two hours or so. I'm guessing maybe 205, 210, you know, just a shade over two minute, two hours and uh, two minutes. <laughs> uh, I like his idea, though. There are, there are some extreme movies out there. I mean, sometimes I like it. I mean, sometimes I don't. Uh, sometimes I think movies could be trimmed down a little bit. I mean, for example, over the summer, Batman, even though it was an excellent The Dark Knight movie, I, I was fine with the length. There are some people, though, that thought they could have cleaned it and, or not is that the right way to put it? You know, shaved a few minutes off it here and there. It was a fairly long movie, two and a half or two forty or whatever it ended up being. But anyway, uh, JJ about a two-hour movie, and uh, we're looking forward to it. And JJ does not have an iPod anymore for some reason. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, the it for that movie talk. Uh, let's move forward. Hi, this is Walter Koenig, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Okay, folks, I think it's time to get into the main topic for this week's podcast. That is the Star Trek uh, original series episode, Court Martial. Uh, let me adjust the uh, volume here. It looks a little low. This episode was uh, from Season 1, uh, production order number 15. Let me give you some details here. Written by a guy named Don Mankiewicz and Stephen Karabatsas. <laughs> Man, did I slaughter those names, I think. Mankiewicz, I think I got right. Uh, anyway, it was by a story also by Mankiewicz, uh, directed by Mark Daniels. Uh, featured most of the usual principal cast. This is a, a mid to later in the first season episode. And uh, it had a also a, a great guest cast here. A great, uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. And I uh, will talk about them as we get to those, in, uh, those different characters in the clips that I'm going to be playing for you. But... The basic uh, idea of this episode is this: the um, there's an ion storm. They don't really show it; it's a, it's after the fact, and you get to hear it through the episode and them talking about it. But there's this ion storm the Enterprise goes through, and they have this thing called the ion pod on the back of the secondary hull, which basically is some kind of little laboratory. They don't really go into a lot of detail on the hows and whys, but basically, when they go into a storm like this, somebody uh, from the crew has to go into that little pod and take readings during the storm. And if things get severe enough, I guess this pod is exposed to the storm or something like that. Again, they don't go into a lot of detail, but uh, they have to jettison this this pod or else it could hurt or damage or even destroy the ship. Again, not a lot of detail, but during the course of this whole mission, uh, the person that's in there, this guy named Ben Finney, who's an old friend of Kirk's, 
is uh, lost. They, they presume he has died. And uh, there's some bad history there, which we'll go through through the episode. And Kirk is sort of brought up on charges for some of the actions that take place during this incident. And basically because the computer and what he says happened and what the computer said happened, the computer board, the Enterprise, are two different things. So that gives you kind of the episode in in a nutshell uh, if you've never seen it or maybe haven't seen it in a while. So uh, we will be going through it uh, throughout the rest of the podcast pretty much. And uh, I think it's a great episode. Lots of cool character moments. I think it really defines a lot of things of the characters. And even here in the mid uh, or so of the first season, you get to see the loyalty, especially between the main three, between Kirk, Spock, and McCoy quite a bit. And you get to also learn a little bit of history about Kirk and and kind of where he's come from and things like that, which is kind of interesting now that we've got the movie and – in, which will be showing him in his younger days, too. So uh, I think uh, that's about it, The much as I wanted to cover before we really get into the, the heart and meat of the episode. Let's play uh, one of the early clips. Captain's Log, star date 2947.3. We have been through a severe ion storm. One crewman is dead. Ship's damage is considerable. I have ordered a non-scheduled layover on Starbase 11 for repairs. Full report of damages was made to the commanding officer of Starbase 11, Commodore Stone. Maintenance Section 18. The section is working on the Intrepid. Reschedule. The Enterprise is on priority one. That makes three times you read it, Jim. Is there an error? No. But the death of a crewman, regulations kept. Yeah, so the um, the Commodore there, which, you know, gets into some conflicts with Kirk and presides over this hearing that they eventually have, uh, this court-martial hearing, uh, is played by a, a black actor named Percy Rodriguez. Uh, he does a great job in this episode. And when you think back again, you know, this is 1966. And again, you know, he put, uh, Gene Roddenberry put an African-American, a black actor there in a very large role in this episode. He's a Commodore. He's in charge of the Starbase. He is, you know, he outranks Kirk. Uh, I think that, again, uh, another great uh, bit of casting. He could have just put a regular, you know, whatever, let's just say white guy in there. But it's it's just one of those little things that, you know, in Star Trek, when you watch it now, even all this time later, you can see how progressive things were. And, um, you know, now that, uh, well, I'm not going to get into politics, but, you know, we have the chance to have, you know, an African-American president here in a few weeks. So anyway... Let's uh, move forward. Now, there's a another great guest in this episode uh, named Ariel Shaw, who's an old flame and uh, another one of Kirk's many old uh, girlfriends or whatever. Uh, she is the actress's name. I looked into this a little bit today. I uh, found some interesting stuff. Her name is uh, Joan Marshall. And it looks like one interesting little tidbit I found out about her is that uh, she almost was Lily Munster on the old Munsters television show. She was uh, pretty much cast for it, and uh, actually the character was called Phoebe Munster at the time. And they, uh, at the kind of the last minute, Yvonne DiCarlo took over the role for uh, Herman's wife, uh, uh, Lily Munster, on that show. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. Uh, it looks like she didn't really do a lot of acting really that much uh passed about uh, the late 60s and mid-70s, uh, and she has passed away, which is a little unfortunate. Uh, but anyway, 
again, Joan Marshall playing this great character, Ariel Shaw, and listen to her uh, be first introduced on the scene to uh, Dr. McCoy. If you have any doubt, that was indeed Captain James Kirk of the Enterprise. Yes, I know. Are you a friend of his? In these trying times, one of the few. Dr. Leonard McCoy. And you? Ariel Shaw. And I'm a friend, too. An old one. All of my old friends look like doctors. All of his look like you. Well, you might as well join me for a drink. With this inquiry coming up, he's going to need all the friends he can get. I like that scene, you know, uh, the thing about, uh, you know, Kirk always getting the attractive women and uh, McCoy always ending up with uh, those that look like doctors. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> I guess ones that look like he does or, or in a way. I don't know. It's probably obviously not supposed to be as attractive as she is. So, uh, But, again, this uh, this is a great character, real interesting and, and also fairly progressive. You know, you have a woman, again, in the 60s playing a fairly important role, uh, a big-time lawyer here, and uh, she's also in Starfleet, so pretty interesting, I thought. Uh, the next clip I've got to play for you, this will describe a little bit more about this Ion Storm. I think this is Kirk's account to uh, Commodore Stone about what happened specifically again, so we can all get kind of filled in a little bit about it. So listen to this. Now let's get into the specifics of the storm, Captain. Weather scan indicated an Ion Storm dead ahead. I sent Finney into the pod. Why Finney? His name was at the top of the duty roster. If he blamed you... He may have blamed me that he never rose to command a ship, but I don't assign jobs on the basis of who blames me. It was Finney's turn, and I assigned him. He had just checked in with me from the pod when we hit the leading edge of the storm. Not too bad at first. I signaled a yellow alert. Then we began encountering pressure, variant, stress, force seven, the works. I finally signaled a red alert. Finney knew he had a matter of seconds. I gave him those seconds and more. But apparently it wasn't enough. Then why, Captain, does the computer log from your ship, made automatically at the time, indicate that you were still on yellow alert when you jettisoned and not on red? I don't know. So the the key here is that there's this ion pod and the person in there, if there's a, a red alert signal, they that kind of indicates and makes them realize, hey, it's time to get out of here uh, before they, they pop this little pod off. Oh, I did want to mention uh, one interesting thing and one that's kind of cool is, you know, they did these enhanced versions of all the TOS episodes. And in this one, which you can see in the little player on the forum right now, if you take a look, I think I have the enhanced version up there. I should say, with the new effects put in. And at the very beginning of the episode, you see this sort of like eh, kind of damaged area near the back of the secondary hull on the Enterprise when it flies by on uh, the star base at the beginning, and there's a sort of little red light blinking behind it. Uh, that is a po supposed to be where the ion pod is located. So they threw that extra little effect in. There's another starship also in orbit in the background because this is sort of a repair base as well. Uh, for starships, as you heard in one of the clips. So that was kind of neat, I thought. And there's some cool flyby stuff, too. You see some Starbase uh, shuttlecraft in the enhanced effects, and uh, you also see them flying by the Starbase on the ground a little bit a couple times in a few scenes and in the back of windows and that. So some nice little touches that they put in when they enhanced this episode. So 
Uh, I think that's it for that clip. Uh, again, you hear about the storm. Uh, the, the difference between this yellow alert, red alert is the big key factor, and you'll learn that more as they go through when they do the trial. Uh, the computer uh, shows it only being a yellow alert when Kirk's, uh, Kirk uh, pushes the little jettison pod button that's on his little chair, which I've always kind of wondered why he has that, but we can talk about that more uh, later on. Next clip is, this one's a little longer. This is between uh, a real, I don't like the way they say her name in this. Her name is Ariel Shaw, but everyone calls her like Ariela, Ariel or whatever. I don't know. I guess it's from that Little Mermaid movie. I always think Ariel when I want to say this. Maybe it be- depends if it's an A-R-I-A-L or E-L. Her name is E-L, I think. So anyway, here is the meeting again of old uh, friends uh, between Kirk and Ariel. Dr. McCoy said you were here. I should have felt it in the air like static electricity. Flattery will get you everywhere. It's been, how long has it been? Four years, seven months, and an odd number of days. Not that I'm counting. You look marvelous. You haven't changed a bit. Things have changed for you, haven't they? Well, you've heard about that, haven't you? I'm a lawyer in the judge advocate's office, remember? I remember. Let's forget it. We have a lot of lost time to make up for. You're taking it very lightly. The confidence of an innocent man. Are you? Hmm. That's not what the rumors indicate. Look, let's not talk shop. Jim, this could ruin you. Will you take some advice? I never could talk you into anything. All right, fire away. The prosecution will build its case on the basis of Kirk versus the computer. Now, if your attorney tries to defend on that basis, you won't have a chance. Well, what other choice is there? Well, that's up to your attorney, and that's why he's got to be a good one. You, perhaps? No, I... I'm busy. Well, a girl with your ability should be able to handle two cases at once. Jim, be serious. You're not an ordinary human. You're a starship captain, and you've stepped into scandal. If there's any way they can do it, they'll slap you down hard and permanently for the good of the service. You still haven't made any recommendation. Samuel T. Cogley, attorney at law. If anyone can save you, he can. He'll be paying you a visit. Jim, I've got to go. For real? You still haven't told me how you know so much about what the prosecution's going to do. Because, Jim Kirk, my dear old love, I am the prosecution. And I have to do my very best to have you slapped down hard. Broken out of the service. In disgrace. This episode also has some uh, great music in it. You can hear there the kind of Star Trek theme kind of stuff playing in the background. Uh, you know, very melodic, uh, nice background uh, touch. And I love the lighting, too, in this episode, which they did a lot with the, especially the female guests and in the various uh, TOS, especially the early season, uh, they would light them in, in certain ways and give them kind of a glow almost. And uh, they certainly do that with Ariel in this episode. Uh, well, I still want to call her Ariel. <laughs> All right, the next clip introduces, uh, you know, probably my favorite character, or one of my favorite characters, in, definitely in this episode and maybe even in the 
early uh, years of Trek. Uh, we have the character of Sam Cogley here, who uh, ends up being Kirk's lawyer. He's this kind of curmudgeonly old guy who loves books. Uh, he's played by a character actor named Elijah Cook. And, uh, again, just great casting, perfect fit for uh, this character. So listen to this clip. You, Kirk? Yes. What is all this? I figured we'd be spending some time together, so I moved in. I hope I'm not crowding you. What's the matter? Don't you like folks? Oh, I like them fine. But a computer takes less space. <laughs> a computer, huh? I got one of these in my office. Contains all the precedent. A synthesis of all the great legal decisions written throughout time. <laughs> I never use it. Why not? I've got my own system. Books, young man. Books, thousands of them. If time wasn't so important, I'd show you something. My library, thousands of books. What would be the point? This is where the law is. Not in that homogenized, pasteurized, synthesized. Do you want to know the law? The ancient concepts in their own language? Learn the intent of the men who wrote them? From Moses to the tribunal of Alpha Three. Books. You have to be either an obsessive crackpot who's escaped from his keeper or Samuel T. Cogley, attorney at law. Right on both counts. Need a lawyer? I'm afraid so. Yeah, again, the uh, I really enjoy the way they introduce him there. Kirk has uh, been confined to the star base, and he's living down there in a, like a little apartment-type place. And Cogley just kind of moves in with all of his books, and uh, they, uh, they start to uh, work on his case together and, and try to figure out how they can beat this uh, very, um, you know, just crucial bit of evidence that this computer has come up with against him. Uh, next time, uh, or next time, <laughs> excuse me, next clip. This one, we're into the trial now. They're starting the trial. Everyone's in their little dress uniforms, which uh, it probably, I think, is this maybe the first time we've seen them in Trek? I'll have to look again. I think so. Uh, they also did the menagerie after this, which you saw the dress uniforms, so they were right around the same time frame. Uh, these these set of episodes, but this uh, clip that you're going to hear. Then the cool thing about this uh, trial bit is you get to hear the sort of service records of uh, both Kirk Spock and McCoy. Spock is the first one that's called to the witness stand because he is the computer expert. He is the one that retrieved the records from the Enterprise's computer that uh, made this whole controversy happen, really. And so they call him to the stand, and you'll hear his. Uh, serial number and his record in Starfleet and all that, which is interesting stuff. So listen to the clip. Spock, serial number S179-276SP, service rank, lieutenant commander, position, first officer, science officer, current assignment, USS Enterprise, commendations, Vulcanian Scientific Legion of Honor, awards of valor, twice decorated by Starfleet Command. Mr. Spock, as a first officer, you know a great deal about computers, don't you? I know all about them. It is possible for a computer to malfunction, is it not? Affirmative. Do you know of any malfunction which has caused an inaccuracy in the Enterprise computer? Negative. That answer is based on your mechanical survey of the Enterprise computer, ordered by the defendant prior to this trial, is it not? Affirmative. Now, the star date... the computer is inaccurate, nevertheless. Why do you say that? It reports that the jettison button was pressed before the red alert. 
In other words, it reports that Captain Kirk was reacting to an extreme emergency that did not then exist. And that is impossible. Is it? Were you watching him the exact moment he pressed the jettison button? No, I was occupied. The ship was already on yellow alert. Then how can you dispute the finding of the log? I do not dispute it. I merely state that it is wrong. Oh? On what do you base that statement? I know the captain. He is in... Please instruct the witness not to speculate. Lieutenant, I am half Vulcanian. Vulcanians do not speculate. I speak from pure logic. If I let go of a hammer on a planet that has a positive gravity, I need not see it fall to know that it has, in fact, fallen. I do not see what that is. Gentlemen, human beings have characteristics, just as inanimate objects do. It is impossible for Captain Kirk to act out of panic or malice. It is not his nature. In your opinion? Yes. In my opinion. Thank you. So, again, you hear there how much Spock uh, believes in the captain, believes in Kirk, uh, and, and, you know, knows him very well and knows this is not something he, he, just, he just doesn't do this. He, he is, uh, you know, just not in his nature to uh, panic or make a rash decision like that or just, you know, hey, oh, my gosh, it's uh, only yellow alert. Let's jettison the pod. It's not that bad out or whatever, you know. So you also get to uh, hear Spock refer to himself in this episode as half Vulcanian. And there is an also another scene in the bar on the Starbase where Kirk mentions to some other Starfleet officers that, hey, I haven't seen you since the Vulcanian expedition. So uh, this is, um, you know, eventually, of course, Vulcanian just becomes shortened and becomes Vulcan and never is referred to uh, as Vulcanian really in the future that much that I can think of. So it's, uh, you know, they're just still kind of working all that out in these early episodes, early season of Trek. And that's uh, an interesting point, I thought. So next up, we have Kirk taking the stand, uh, which is an important point. And I I really like the way this whole little scene goes and what he has to say. And it's uh, just very well done. So listen to this. James T. Kirk, serial number. SC 937-0176 CEC, service rank, captain, position, starship command, current assignment, USS Enterprise, commendations, palm leaf of Axanar Peace Mission, Grand Kite Order of Tactics, class of excellence, Prenteris Ribbon of Commendation, classes first and May second. May it please the court. Court recognizes counsel for the prosecution. The prosecution concedes the inestimable record of Captain Kirk. Mr. Cogley? I wouldn't want to slow the wheels of progress. But then, on the other hand, I wouldn't want those wheels to run over my client in their unbridled haste. Continue. Awards of Valor, Medal of Honor, Silver Palm with Cluster, Starfleet Citation for Conspicuous Gallantry, Caragite order of heroism. I think that's enough. I wouldn't want to slow things up too much. Thank you. Now, Captain, despite what these machines indicate, was there indeed a red alert before you jettisoned the pod? Yes, sir, there was. Please tell us about it. 
Firstly, I'm at a loss to explain the errors and the extract from the computer log. We were in an ion storm. Everyone here in this court knows the dangers involved. I was in command. The decisions were mine, no one else's. Charges of malice have been raised. There was no malice. Lieutenant Commander Finney was a member of my crew, and that's exactly the way he was treated. It has been suggested that I panicked on the bridge and jettisoned the ion pod prematurely. That is not so. You have heard some of the details of my record. This was not my first crisis. It was one of many. During it, I did what my experience and training required me to do. I took the proper steps in the proper order. I did exactly what had to be done, exactly when it should have been done. You did the right thing, but would you do it again? Given the same circumstances, I would do the same thing without hesitation. Because the steps I took, in the order I took them, were absolutely necessary if I were to save my ship. And nothing is more important than my ship. Kirk uh, makes, of course, his usual uh, point that, you know, the Enterprise and his ship is the most important thing. And if someone would have to be sacrificed, even up to himself, or a friend, uh, in this case, is Ben Finney character, it's uh, that is what he'll do if he doesn't hesitate. It, he is the captain, and if he has to make those tough decisions, he will do so. So uh, it's without that computer record, he you know he's pretty convincing, and it's it's very uh, interesting the way this uh, whole thing plays out. And I, I really enjoyed watching it, watching this episode as I collected these clips again. The next thing, this is a key point. There's this little a conversation between Kirk and Spock where Kirk says some offhand comment about, hey, maybe you'll at least be able to beat your next captain at chess. And uh, it's uh, an interesting thing, and it makes Spock go to play chess with the computer of the Enterprise. Now, uh, well, let me play the clip for you, and that'll tell you pretty much what turns out and what happens then. Well, I had to see it to believe it. Explain. They're about to lop off the captain's professional head, and you're sitting here playing chess with a computer. That is true. Mr. Spock, you're the most cold-blooded man I've ever known. Why, thank you, Doctor. I've just won my fourth game. That's impossible. Observe for yourself. Rook to King's Pawn 4. Bishop, half-level right. Now, this is the computer's move. And now mine. Checkmate. Mechanically, the computer is flawless. Therefore, logically, its report of the captain's guilt is infallible. I could not accept that, however. So you tested the program bank? Exactly. I programmed it myself for chess some months ago. The best I should have been able to obtain was a draw. Well, why are you just sitting there? Transporter room standby. We're beaming down. So obviously Spock learns that, you know, because the, the chess program that he uh, he put onto the computer is not working right, the computer isn't working right, that something has happened or changed it or been altered, which it, the only probably stretch I have in this 
And I guess maybe it's because, the, you know, maybe in the 23rd century, these things are just very unique. But I just, you know, you have a Starfleet captain, somebody of Kirk's level and caliber, uh, saying this, this, and this, and this happened. And just because of this computer evidence, they're ready to go, eh, you know, uh, now we, we believe that mechanical, you know, recording more than we believe a human and you. And, I, you know, this is kind of what sort of the theme of this episode is to a degree. Uh, not super heavy, but this sort of man versus machine thing runs throughout this episode. You know, you've got Cogley with his books and not really trusting computers and this this record of uh, what Kirk did, but really didn't do on the machine, uh, versus his word and the words of his friends of what the kind of man he is and the kind of things he would do. Again, this this is really the essence of this episode. But what I was going to get to was this this notion that they don't ever really question until Spock comes up with this sort of last minute thing that that maybe this computer record uh, was changed or altered in some form or way it just seems like such an obvious thing especially to uh you know to people these days and all the computers and and, and just everything that we deal with on a day-to-day basis and computers you know you get these mistakes uh, that are made whether the computer messes up or somebody enters the wrong information i mean the computer is only kind of capable of giving or dealing with what it's given in other words the input and then it can be changed or manipulated so I just that that's just one tiny little thing about this episode. I kind of go like, "Hey, why does no one earlier in the episode, I guess, throw up their hand and go, uh, I, I I believe him and not that little machine recording more." You know what I mean? It's just uh, it just seems a little shocking to me. But I understand why they do it, and of course, it gets to about I guess about the midway point in the episode where they sort of come up with this. So it's not like it goes on for very long, and then they sort of reconvene aboard uh, the Enterprise to do the rest. But there's one important scene probably one of the classic scenes from this episode where Cogley gives this great speech. And uh, I've captured that clip for you, so here it is. Is saving an innocent man's career a theatric? Councils will kindly direct their remarks to the bench. I'd be delighted to, sir. Now that I've got something human to talk about. Rights, sir. Human rights. The Bible. The Code of Hammurabi. And of Justinian. Magna Carta. The Constitution of the United States. Fundamental declarations of the Martian colonies. The statutes of Alpha III. Gentlemen, these documents all speak of rights. Rights of the accused to a trial by his peers, to be represented by counsel. The rights of cross-examination. But most importantly, the right to be confronted by the witnesses against him. A right to which my client has been denied. Your Honor, that is ridiculous. We produced the witnesses in court. My learned opponent had the opportunity to see them, cross-examine them. All but one. The most devastating witness against my client is not a human being. It's a machine, an information system, the computer log of the Enterprise. And I ask this court adjourn and reconvene aboard that vessel. I protest, Your Honor. And I repeat, I speak of rights. A machine has none. A man must. My client has the right to face his accuser. And if you do not grant him that right, you have brought us down to the level of the machine. Indeed, you have elevated that machine above us. I ask that my motion be granted. And more than that, gentlemen, in the name of a humanity fading in the shadow of the machine, I demand. 
demand it. I demand it! Yeah, great, great scene there with um, Elijah Cook uh, as um, Sam Cogley just, you know, striving and, and just bellowing out about human rights and the man versus machine elements. It's just great stuff. I really enjoy that. Uh, the next uh, clip we're going to get to, uh, eventually they, they sort of hash out that the record has been altered, of course. They, they go on the Enterprise and Spock points out the business of the chess game. And what entails at that point is they. This this is something that just doesn't make sense. Again, maybe a little bit of thing in this episode where they they sort of put together that maybe Finney is not dead. That he you know sabotaged the record and has kind of been hiding out on the Enterprise, which you know maybe you know, they say they do a search for the for him, but. And later in the in the years of of Star Trek and on the original series even. There's one little uh, key point here where they're uh, scanning the vessel, scanning the Enterprise and the ship, looking for you know life forms, and they use this idea of sound and the heartbeats in this episode where they hold this little device up to everyone on board the ship. They beam a lot of people off the ship uh, to sort of isolate things to locate like a single other heartbeat, and they find Finney that way. He's down in engineering, and he's kind of messed up the ship in that, and I'll play that clip for you here where Kirk confronts him, but... Again, that that bit with with all that was kind of a little bit difficult. You know, later on they pretty much could pinpoint people pretty easily. It seemed like so. Again, but an early episode, so um, they didn't uh, think about that. Or if it was that simple, I guess you wouldn't have had much of an episode. The minute this pod thing happened and the iron storm, they would you know Spock would have looked into his little blue scanner there and he would have said, Ah, there's Finney. He's right there. And uh, end of episode kind of. But so let's play the. Uh, Get to the scene, though, which is the confrontation between the old friends, uh, Ben Finney and uh, Kirk. They told you to do it to me. You all conspired against me. You ruined me. But you won't do it anymore. <clears throat> Put the phaser down, Ben. Oh, I wouldn't kill you, Captain. Your own death would mean too little to you, but your ship... What about my ship? It's dead. I've killed it. I tapped out your primary energy circuits. Mr. Spock, what's our orbit status? Decaying, Captain. Variance at second level, depreciating unusually fast. You're out of power. I know this ship, too. The Enterprise should have been mine. You kept me from it. Ben. Why kill innocent people? Innocent? <laughs> Officers and gentlemen. Captains all. Except for Finney and his one stick. A long time ago. But they don't forget. I logged the mistake, Ben. Blame me, not them. But they are to blame. All of them. I was a good officer. I really was. I love the service more than any man ever dared. Mr. Spock, we're running out of time. Gentlemen, if you'll please hurry to the transport. Mr. Spock, the court has not yet reached a verdict. We will hear this witness out. Very well, sir. It's not too late. You can be helped. 
But if you kill all those people... Why shouldn't I? They killed me, didn't they? It's a fair trade. Is Jamie included in that deal? What do you mean? She's on board by now. Yes, she's on board. Why did you do that? Why did you bring her here? That's actor Richard Webb uh, is playing uh, Lieutenant Commander Finney there. Uh, very, very good job. He plays crazy pretty well. Kind of reminds me of Matt Decker in the Doomsday Machine a little bit. He has a little bit of a similar look to him as well. So, uh, But they have a kind of a knockdown, drag-out fight. You know, Kirk's shirt is torn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, these Starfleet uniforms just, just don't hold up. Uh, yeah, it's just really sad, but... Uh, and, of course, since Kirk brought uh, his daughter aboard Jamie, who was named after him, who Finney named uh, his daughter after James Kirk, Jamie, uh, named her that, uh, he, he basically tells Kirk how to disable what he did to sabotage the engines and all that. So the Enterprise is saved. They discover that Finney did the whole thing and set, set up Kirk and all this stuff. So problem solved, and uh, life goes on. Well, maybe not so well for Mr. Finney, but... Uh, and, you know, he was just bitter over all these years after Kirk had reported this incident where he had fallen asleep and left this little control circuit open, and uh, he logged it and reported it, and kind of that reprimand haunted Finney for all, all of uh, the rest of his life, basically, in Starfleet. So uh, one more clip to play, and uh, this one is just the end of the episode. Uh, uh, a real Shaw comes back up aboard kind of to say goodbye to Kirk on the bridge, and, uh, well... You listen to the clip. How long will it be this time before I see you again? At the risk of sounding like mystic, that depends on the stars. Sam Cogley asked me to give you something special. It's not a first edition or anything, just a book. Sam says that makes it special, though. I didn't have much of a chance to thank him. He's busy on a case. He's defending Ben Finney. He says he'll win. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Do you think it would cause a complete breakdown of discipline if a lowly lieutenant kissed a starship captain on the bridge of his ship? Let's try. See, no change. Discipline goes on. And so must the Enterprise. Goodbye, Jim. Goodbye, Reed. Better luck next time. I had pretty good luck this time. I lost it. She's a very good lawyer. Obviously. Indeed she is. for you uh, I, I like that last scene for a couple things 
for one, if you if you go to YouTube or if you've seen these before, there are you know some classic original series bloopers out there, and that one uh, there's a a sequence where uh, a reel's there trying to say what you know what to cause a, a, a breakdown of discipline if a lowly lieutenant kissed a starship captain on the bridge of his ship. That line she she goofed up when she said, and it's in the blooper. She said, "If I kiss the star of a ship captain, it, it's pretty funny." And then their kiss, they kind of were goofing around, and that's in the blooper reel too. So seek that out if you'd like uh, to have a good laugh. It's it's pretty funny, and uh, I, I've always every time I see that scene, when I even see the episode, I think about the bloopers there associated with it. And the other thing that I kind of caught too is, especially since I was recently watching Wrath of Khan or at least the first part of it in doing a little, this little video I did, uh, you see Kirk in, in that when Spock gives him the book and Wrath of Khan, he kind of tucks it under his arm. Well, in this scene in Court Martial, he does the same kind of motion. You know, he, he tucks the book under his arm that uh, Ariel gives him from uh, Sam Cogley, passes on to him, and then he sits down in the chair, and Kirk, or, uh, Kirk sits there, and Spock and, and McCoy say their little line. So a nice little uh, touch there with... Uh, you know, Shatner, I don't know if that was a conscious thing or if that's just how he decided to carry books around or, or whatever, but I, I like that little parallel in this episode. So that's my take. Excellent episode. Loved watching it again and, and talking about it for you, all of you and, and with you or <laughs> whatever. Uh, we've got a few uh, comments, though, from other people, which are going to be great. Uh, I'm really looking forward to playing them for you here. Uh, the first one comes to us uh, from Daryl. This is his commentary and discussion about the episode that we just listened to and discussed court-martial. So here are some of Daryl's comments on it. When someone mentions the original series, you might think of the trouble with Tribbles, Amok Time, or the Doomsday Machine. One of the least likely episodes to cross your mind is probably court-martial. I've always contended that Star Trek could go on forever, because any story at all could be made into a Star Trek episode. This is a great example of a courtroom drama being turned into a Star Trek episode. There are many memorable quotes in this one. I look forward to hearing many of them here in Rico's review, but I thought I would provide a couple of my personal favorites here. In this scene, Kirk's record is so long that the prosecution sees fit to cut it off, lest he look too good. James T. Kirk, serial number. SC-937-0176-CEC, service rank, captain, position, starship command, current assignment, USS Enterprise, commendation, palm leaf of Axanar Peace Mission, Grand Kite Order of Tactics, class of excellence, Frenteris Ribbon of Commendation, classes first and May second. May it please the court. Court recognizes counsel for the prosecution. The prosecution concedes the inestimable record of Captain Kirk. Mr. Cogley? I wouldn't want to slow the wheels of progress. But then, on the other hand, I wouldn't want those wheels to run over my client in their unbridled haste. Continue. Awards of Valor, Medal of Honor, Silver Palm with Cluster, Starfleet Citation for Conspicuous Gallantry, Karagite Order of Heroism. I think that's enough. I wouldn't want to slow things up too much. Thank you. Another scene I always enjoy, although somewhat overacted, features Richard Webb as Lieutenant Commander Ben Finney, proclaiming to have killed Kirk's ship. Put the phaser down, Ben. Oh, I wouldn't kill you, 
Captain. Your own death would mean too little to you. But your ship... What about my ship? It's dead. I've killed it. I tapped out your primary energy circuits. During the fight that follows, Kurt gets his shirt ripped per usual. Longtime fans are probably familiar with the college drinking game for which this assures a high score. Not only did Court Marshall demonstrate that virtually any story could be told in the Star Trek universe, but this episode was also way ahead of its time in recognizing that computer-stored imagery may not always represent the truth. Back to you, Rico. Thanks a lot, Daryl, for your comments. Uh, Daryl, uh, I uh, always enjoy hearing from you also on uh, uh, Scott Johnson's podcast. I know that uh, you're a big fan of that stuff. So thanks again for sending that in, and uh, I, I like the clips that you picked out. And you're right, it definitely, like I mentioned, I think when I talked about it, kind of ahead of its game, and uh, or ahead of its game, ahead of its time in their uh, discussion about how computers and imagery can be manipulated and changed and records. And like I was trying to say, I guess to us now in the year 2008, this just seems a little mundane and, and so obvious to uh, to us maybe. But uh, I guess the uh, the way you could look at it is that maybe in the future, you know, in, in, in Star Trek era, that computers are so basically infallible and the security, you know, has finally gotten to the point where it's it's very near impossible for things to be changed. So maybe they've just swung the other way, that it's it's almost unheard of for something like this to happen. So I guess that's one way you could look at it. Uh, next up, we've got a couple more here for you. The next one, this is Brian, uh, Brian CD's commentary about Court Martial. I kind of nagged him a little bit. I know he's a big TOS fan, so I was sure that he'd have some interesting things to say about the episode. So... Take it away, Brian. What's up, Rico? My brother from another mother. It's Brian, Brian CD on the forums. Hey, I just wanted to call in and give you a couple thoughts on uh, the TOS episode that you're reviewing this week, Court Martial. You know, Court Martial is one of my favorite TOS episodes. Even as a kid, I liked it, which is curious because it doesn't have Klingons and fighting, which, you know, when I was younger, that's kind of the big thing in Star Trek I always like to see. But this episode had so much going on, and it was just very, very different for the time. What's interesting is that it's a trial, obviously, based episode. And there are a lot of those in TOS Star Trek and Star Trek in general. I, I didn't realize that until I went back and watched it. And I was like, boy, they, they, are, they often do these trial-based shows. And they're very effective as, uh, as great ways to sort of learn a lot about the uh, characters. This was an early first season episode. Um, you can certainly tell by the fact that Spock refers to himself as a Vulcanian still. Um, but it's very cool. You, we get to see a lot of different things um, in the remastered version you have playing right now in the uh, forums. The uh, effect shots are great. Um, although it's curious how they always focus on the back uh, shuttle bay area of the Enterprise's secondary hull. And I can't help but think that maybe that's where they, they think the ion pod was. But I always thought the ion pod was located underneath the primary hull, as per uh, the Franz Joseph uh, Starfleet technical manual that you and I both had as kids. But uh, anyway, great effects. You see a guy walking by in the window. Very cool effects um, and uh, additions to that great matte painting of the Starbase um, city. And they have now with the remastered effects, you can see people walking inside the buildings and you can see down the streets. So it's all very cool and it, uh, it definitely added a lot to the episode. Um, I really like the scene in the bar uh, where Kirk has a chance to interact with his uh, former classmates and the tension between them because of what happened to Finney. Um, what's, uh, I thought it was funny. I noticed that the bartender in that scene in the back 
is wearing the exact same shirt as the bartender from Trouble with Tribbles. Uh, this was obviously the first time they used it. I guess they saved it and decided that would be the official Federation Starfleet barman shirt. Um, the uh, characters we meet here are, again, are really very interesting and different um, from the Commodores on the tribunal that's uh, judging Kirk, which, by the way, is, a, is an excellent uh, example of uh, Star Trek uh, and Gene Roddenberry's vision of a world where race and gender didn't play an issue. You had on the, one of the Commodores was African-American. One looked like he, he's from India. One even looked like he may have been Middle Eastern. You had a female uh, lead, lead prosecutor. Just really, really the core values of what Trek was trying to portray. And, and, and I'm sure back in the, in the 60s, you didn't see that. And that was probably a very, very big deal. And uh, it's great to see how they incorporated all of that into such an early episode. You also got to love Sam Cogley, the attorney, uh, the old curmudgeon with the books, um, providing a great contrast with the high-tech world of the future. Here's a guy that still wants to put his hands on the paper and uh, feels that the computers uh, that de- are dehumanizing and that in order to really learn the law, you need to learn it from books. And uh, that's a theme, actually, that runs through this entire episode with uh, Spock eventually figuring out that the computer had been tampered with uh, because he was able to beat it at chess, uh, that the machines were flawed, and yet the flawed people were the ones who were the only, only way to arbitrate the truth and to come to, to the realization that uh, Kirk was indeed innocent. So again, another, another theme of Star Trek and of TOS that uh, comes up frequently uh, and very well done here. So they eventually find Finney hiding out in the bowels of the engine room. Uh, a little subtle thing that I noticed uh, in rewatching it, uh, maybe because it's a remastered version and it's cleaned up a little bit, is that Finney's face is, uh, has a pretty decent growth of beard on it, which is what you would think would be the case for a guy who's been hiding out in engineering for God knows how long. So I thought that was very well done. And uh, yeah, just a great, great all-around episode. Uh, glad to see you taking a look at it. Hope I was able to add some additional insights on it that maybe uh, you didn't include in your, uh, your, your chat about it on the show today. But uh, anyway, keep up the great work, my man, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks a lot, Brian. I appreciate uh, getting some comments about this. Uh, you always have some great things to say, and I love your, uh, your energy. And uh, yeah, that's interesting about the Ion Pod. I had all kinds of different ideas about where that was located on the enterprise i used to think primary hall i used to think it was almost kind of near the 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 bridge to a degree that you know they had all the computers and science and sensors stations and things up there and it was somewhere up in that area but yeah there's definitely in the remaster version they're 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 definitely trying to point you to that it's back near the shuttle bay area aboard uh in uh, uh, aboard uh on i should say on the exterior of the ship uh on the secondary hull so who knows um Another little thing I noticed, you were talking about Finney, and I noticed this both with Finney and Spock. Uh, Spock is referred to as a lieutenant commander in this episode, even though later in Trek he, he pretty much is just always a commander uh, throughout. Uh, and Finney is also considered a lieutenant commander, but the braid on their shirts is wrong, basically. They hadn't quite worked out what the braid meant by this point even. You know, the, the two stripes of braid on the, on the sleeve means full commander. Uh, Scotty typically would have the the one full braid and the one sort of dashed or dotted or whatever you want to call it uh, strip of braid on his sleeves. And Scotty was a lieutenant commander. Two full braid means commander. Ah, ah, got him a geek. <laughs> anyway, but I noticed that Finney and Spock are both wrong kind of in this episode. They're both considered lieutenant commanders, but 
have two full uh, strip, strips of braid on their uniform shirts. So, But, yeah, the, I, I like the beard part, too. Kind of reminded me of Decker and Doomsday Machine with the beard uh, that Finney got in this one, you know, creeping around in engineering for a few days or whatever. So, All right, anyway, we've got one more to play for you. Of course, uh, as always, it wouldn't be quite complete without some commentary from the father and son team of the Moyers. And I think Rick has got another little song for us, too, uh, for uh, this uh, this time out. So uh, listen to them, and I will be back afterwards. Hey, Rico, this is Rick Moyer from Aberdeen, Washington, and I wanted to say thanks for covering the TOS episode, Court Martial. One of the things I like about uh, these type of episodes on Star Trek is it kind of it's like a law and order in space or a Perry Mason in space, and I always like those type of episodes, especially like on the TNG when um, they were uh, going to take dismantle data and all this stuff. Anyway, the court ones are always really good. I think of Drumhead from TNG. I think of uh, the one where uh, Miles was on trial on Cardassia. And just those type of episodes are always great because it explores the the judicial system in the future. And I just think it's very, very cool. Well, anyway, um, because I like this one so much, um, I thought I would uh, play a new song that I've been uh, thinking about. I love Spock's loyalty in this whole situation here where Kirk is being accused and Spock goes to work trying to figure it out. And, is, and the, the, the doctor's, of course, upset with him because Spock is – he thinks Spock is being cold and, and callous, but really he's not. He's just testing out his theory, and he finds that uh, somebody's messed with the computer. And in the long run, we, we, you know, we finally find out that uh, Kirk, of course, was not guilty of – killing this guy and so on and so forth but uh, anyway uh, instead of queens we will rock you i thought everybody might enjoy this one it's called we will spock you greetings and felicitations i need your advice then i need a drink you need advice from me you must be kidding i do not joke doctor spock remind me to tell you that i'm sick and tired of your logic that is the most illogical attitude. Buddy, you're a Vulcan, make an eyebrow, raisin on your face, gonna be in Starfleet someday. You got green on your face, pointed ears graced, spouting big statistics all over the place. We will, we will spark you. We will, we will spark you. Buddy, you're a tall man, thin man, flying in a ship, gonna take the universe one day. You work in space with Captain What's-His-Face, waving tricorders all over the place. We will, we will spark you. We will, we will spark you. Buddy, you're a smart man, science man, every seven years going through Pond Far that day. You got green in your blood, Kirk's your bud, putting McCoy back into his place. We will, we will spark you. Sing it! We will, we will spark you. Everybody, we will, we will spark you. We will, we will spot you. Dazzling display of logic. Annihilation gem. Total complete. 
absolute annihilation. Doctor, I am in command of the Enterprise. Live long and prosper. All right, great stuff, guys. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, excellent song. Just loved it. I don't know how you keep coming up with this stuff, Rick. Uh, you do a great job, and I uh, always appreciate it. And uh, happy birthday again to you. I hope you, uh, I'm not sure when you listen to this particular podcast, but if uh, it's a post-birthday, I hope you had a great birthday. If it happens to be today, I hope you're having a great time and uh, celebrating your day. So uh, thanks, guys. It's always helpful. And again, I try to announce, that's why I've been trying to be uh, very steady and regular about announcing the particular uh, topic I'm going to be talking about on the next week's show to try to get in uh, clips and, and people's different uh, takes on whatever I happen to be talking about, whether it's Star Trek or something else. It, it really, I think, adds a lot to the show. I know uh, from emails and people telling me on the forum and, and, and various places, they really enjoy hearing from you guys. And uh, you can also call the voicemail line. Just go to the main website. I don't have the number handy in front of me, but just go to with the main website uh, and the, check the links out there. There will be information on how to uh, call the voicemail line. It's 206-something. <laughs> but you can find the voicemail line there. And that's a quick, easy way. You just dial up your cell phone and, and just uh, shoot me a little comment. And uh, the quality isn't quite as good. It's always better to record it and email it to me. And I've got ways to make that easy as well. So if you ever have some commentary to do, uh, it would be great to hear from you. Okay, I think we're going to skip over any collectible talk uh, for this week. I, I'm thinking in the early 200s also is another uh, sort of preview of what might be coming up. I might be doing just sort of an all-collectible show at some point in the near future. It always gets sort of regulated to the last couple of minutes of the podcast. And I think I want to do a maybe an all-collectible uh, show, maybe even do a video one for that too. So look forward to doing that in the future. But I'll try to slip in a collectible next week. And speaking of that, next week's uh, podcast, I'm going to cover uh, something a little different, a little unusual, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Ray Harryhausen has always been a big, uh, I'm a, I've always been a big fan of his work. Uh, he did all those Sinbad movies, and you know he did the the whole stop motion animation type style before the days of CGI, and uh, just some great great movies that I enjoyed growing up watching over and over, and Clash of the Titans. Uh, a fun movie as well, and just he, he's got a huge career of film work and effects and things, and I wanted to focus on the films that he's worked on uh, in next for next week's podcast, which will be next Sunday, uh, usual you know time and place. And uh, if you've got any comments about Ray Harryhausen, some of the you know particular movies that you've enjoyed of his or his work in general, please send those in uh, sometime this week, and I will include them on next week's show. That would be great to hear, and I know there are a few people. Uh, especially on the forums that have commented about uh, looking forward to this particular show. So I expect some comments from you guys, so <laughs> send them in. And uh, until then, I think that's about it. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, week's episode. I had fun doing it as always. Uh, and uh, please think about doing those videos for Show 200. Act out your favorite Star Trek scene for me. I think that'll be fun. Hey, everyone, have a great uh, Halloween later this week. If you celebrate that wherever, you're, wherever you uh, happen to live, uh, I hope you have a great time. And uh, I plan on doing my usual dress-up, probably uh, do my little Jedi outfit and scare all the little kitties off with my lightsaber. Uh, and they always think no matter what color lightsaber I'm uh, you know, wielding uh, that I'm Darth Vader. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a fairly tall, big guy and in his black cloak 
or whatever. I'm not sure why, but they're always, especially the little ones, I, I try not to scare them too much. And if they get scared, I pull back the hood and uh, show them, look, I'm not so bad, really. Here, have some candy. That usually works. So so that is always going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it should be a good time. So uh, that's uh, about it. Everyone, take care. Have a great week. I will talk to you again real soon. Bye-bye for now. This podcast under Creative Commons License 3.0. If you'd like to participate in the show, please email me at treks, <laughs> treksf at gmail.com or visit the main website, treksinsci-fi.com. Join the forums. We are friendly, I think. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>